Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Before we jump in, I want to give a, uh, a parent disclaimer. Today's message is rated PG. Yeah, parental guidance. And so that means if you have a small child with you in the room today because you'd like to bring your kids into big church, then you have exactly two minutes to um, take your child to Journey Kids and have an expedited check-in experience because you might not want them to um, be, here, be here for this part of the message or this message today because today we're going to speak about, I hope they're not in the room, sex. We're going to talk about sex today. And if you're a little kid and you know what that word is, ask mom, <laughs> ask dad, they'll break it down. Uh, today I want to speak a message called sex before marriage and sex after marriage, trying to make sure that we preach messages that apply to everybody no matter where you're sitting in the room. And uh, listen, I also I, I gave a, a parent disclaimer and I want to give a people disclaimer. What you hear today is not popular. What you hear today is going to possibly offend some people in the room. What you hear today is controversial. But what you hear today is biblical. Comes from the word of God. And if it challenges you, that just means it's, it's right for you. If it hits you in a wrong way, that just means that God's trying to talk to you and sharpen you and shape you. So I pray you receive it with a good heart. I promise I'm not going to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty or shameful. Um, from the bottom of my heart, I just want you to be happy, healthy, and whole yeah. and thriving. Yeah. And if we're honest, sex is one area of our life we can all use some help in because it really doesn't matter who you are. If I were to speak a message on alcoholism, studies show that that message would be relevant for one out of 10 people in this room because one out of 10 Americans are alcoholics. If I were to speak a message on mental illness, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, that message would be relevant for two out of the 10 people in this room. But guess what? When I speak on sex, that's the message that is relevant for 10 out of 10 people in the room because 10 out of 10 people are sexual beings. And regardless of your uh, relationship status, of y'all together, ain't together, regardless of your singleness, or you can relate to this message. I think that's why 36% of the internet is pornography. One out of every four Google searches is sexual in nature. One in 10 children will be sexually abused before the age of 18. One in 10. 50% of high schoolers, Journey Youth, 50% of high schoolers will have a sexual encounter before they graduate. If you're Latino, Latina, or black, there's a 1.5 time higher you're going to leave high school pregnant. If you're married, the number one reason for a divorce is infidelity. <laughs> this is affecting our lives. No matter who you are, where you are. And so I think this is going to be a message that, that helps you. And uh, before we can get into how it impacts you, whether before or after marriage, we need to really get back to what sex actually even really is. Because for many of us, we were introduced to it in an improper way. And, and I don't just mean what it is biologically. Like I hope that health class already covered that. And we can just move on from, from that. Hopefully everybody in this room knows where babies come from. Like we can move on beyond that because health class did a really good job at explaining sex biologically, but they failed you in explaining it mentally. 
explaining it emotionally and explaining it spiritually. And the Bible does a great job of explaining those things. And it's crazy because now science, studies, and survey is are actually now supporting what the Bible has always said. And so it's going to take you really just washing your mind of what you thought it was and coming to it with a new perspective. Because as I mentioned, when we were first introduced to it, we were not introduced to an example of sex. The world does not give you an example of sex. They give you an exaggeration of it. And because you saw it on a computer screen or a cell phone or a movie, you heard about it in the back of your school bus or in the cafeteria or the, the gym. And, and, and none of those things are real. You need to know that what you're hearing, what you're seeing, they're all exaggerations. The people even in those movies and those scenes, they're actors with the director. Their bodies are not even natural. That's not how they were born. Those bodies are the products of steroids, of surgery, and of Photoshop. When we watch TV, even the TV shows that we watch are, I mean, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. There was this show in the 90s, I don't know if you ever saw it, called Friends. Are you familiar with this? Oh, my millennial babies are just, yeah called Friends. And in Friends, they actually, somebody actually went through every episode of Friends and counted all the different sexual partners that all of the main cast had in that show from beginning to end. You want to hear the body count? Here's the body count of Friends. In the whole show, the Friends together, 138 different sex partners in the show Friends. I mean, I knew that Joey Tribbiani had issues. But I didn't know it was going to be like that. 138. And you know how that affected us millennials? That exaggeration became our expectation. So then we just thought, well, that's what sex is. Sex is beating somebody and sleeping with them on the next day. That was a TV show, not reality. And it's caused a lot of pain since then. Music has definitely been an exaggeration. Music will exaggerate sex like nobody's business. Like I tell you all the time. I said this last time I talked about the topic. Like I love Lionel Richie. Love it. But all night long, <laughs> all night long, Mr. Richie, have you even had sex? It's exhausting. You <laughs> know, all night long. It's not real. These are exaggerations. They're not real. We need to go to the Bible, see what the Bible says about sex. And this is the first time we see sex in the Bible. You're going to discover it in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. If you have a Bible, you can read along with me or you can read on the screen. Genesis 2, 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Say this last part with me. And they become one flesh. That's Sex, right there. They become one flesh. And it's the first time we hear of sex in the Bible. Now, what's happening here in this short passage is marital, it is sexual, and it is spiritual. It's marital. God was the one that brought them together. That's why when two people get married, it's usually a third person there in the middle, known as the pastor or the priest. That person is standing in the place of God. That's why in remote tribes in the Brazilian jungle, there's a tribal leader who marries the people. It's, that's why even if you're in the secular world and you go to get married, you have to do it with the representative of the court or a judge. It's an authority figure in all cultures that serves as a divine metaphor of God who puts people together. Then, not only is it marital, it's sexual. The two become one flesh. In order to seal the marriage, God said two become one flesh. 
That's why, uh, raise your hand if you've ever tasted in your life Nesquik. Nesquik, have you ever tasted Nesquik? How many people remember the strawberry Nesquik? Come on, that was the, what? You're crazy. It's the best cold strawberry Nesquik on a hot day. It was awesome. Listen, how did you make Nesquik? You took the strawberry powder, which was one thing. You took the milk, which was another thing. You put it together and those two things made one brand new thing called strawberry milk. Now, I dare you to separate them again. Impossible. That's what sex was meant to be. It was meant to be the seal of that marriage. Two things becoming one that can never become two things ever again. You're not pulling out the grains of sugar out of dissolved Nesquik. It's not happening. That's why in the Old Testament, if a guy, I don't know if you knew this, James, but if a guy had sex with a virgin who wasn't his wife, <laughs> he didn't get stoned. Which is like, usually that's like the go-to punishment for all things, all the Old Testament. <laughs> Stone him. He didn't get stoned. He didn't even go to Old Testament jail. The only thing that that guy had to do if he slept with the girl that wasn't his wife was pay the bride price. Because whether he wanted to or not, he just got married. Congratulations, bro. Yeah. You did, oh, you were looking for a good time. Sorry, it doesn't work like that because sex is marriage. So now you just got married. That'll be 20 sheep, 30 goat, and two rams. <laughs> Have a nice life. Because it was synonymous. You couldn't separate the two in the Bible. That's why, let's not make it biblical. Let's make it legal. That's why in the state of Florida, it's not the ceremony or even the minister who writes his name. It's not the vows that make the marriage solid, solidified, legal. In Florida, in a court of law, if y'all do not consummate the marriage, that means have sex, after the ceremony, and y'all don't want to be together anymore, you don't have to file for divorce. You can just file for what's called an annulment because legally you are not married until you have sex. In Florida. In the law, like that's the law. Like they don't even believe in God. Like in Florida. That's crazy. Even the law says it. Because we know it's different. It's not just a physical act. It's different. It's not just marital. It's not just sexual. Listen, here's what all that points to. It's also spiritual. Don't lose sight of the fact that when God created woman, he put the man to sleep. Follow the train of thought. He put the man to sleep. Out came the woman. And now a new person has been made. When God made sex, marriage, unity, he put the man to, they had sex. The man comes into the woman. They sleep together. And out comes a brand new person, the union of both people. Did you see it? And it's God's spiritual act in marriage and in sex. It's him showing you that he can create beautiful and new things. And then I love verse 25 because it's beautiful, it's, it's amazing. And look what verse 25 says, and Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. If you're looking into the verse, this is the morning after. You ever heard the walk of shame? The morning after, we're like, dang, I shouldn't, no. Well, this is the morning after, they're both naked. And there's no shame, no shame whatsoever the next day. They're like, this was awesome, great idea, God, high five. <laughs> Why? It's the first thing I want you to know about sex because sex is not shameful. Sex is not shameful, but it feels that way. Like even when I brought up the topic sex, all y'all got tight. Some of y'all looked over at your neighbor and you were like, I'm so sorry I invited you today. 
I didn't know, I promise I didn't know that he was going to talk about this topic. Like some of you guys have write up a girl here and you're like, I promise there's no messages. That's just going to happen. Why do we feel shameful? Why do we feel weird? Why do we feel awkward? Why do we get tight when we talk about it? Why? Because we were taught to not talk about it. We grew up in cultures where it wasn't okay to talk or address. And so what happened? You was a little kid exploring your body and you started trying to figure out just how things work and you're in the bathroom checking stuff out and your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandpa comes in and they look at you and say, what are you doing? Don't touch that. That's dirty. And you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with my hands. It's just, I just, and your whole life you grew up, that's dirty, that's filthy. Don't touch that. It's not good. Or you, maybe you have one of those parents that let you watch rated R movies but not all of the movie. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they don't mind the killing. They don't mind the cussing, but the moment the sex scene comes on, what do they tell you? Yeah, close, close your eyes. Close your eyes. And now you're there thinking, this is bad. Close my eyes. Oh, my God. But you can still hear. You're just like, oh, man, I can't, I can't see it, though. You know, it's not good. And, and parents, I know, I know what, you're, what you're trying to protect them, but maybe they shouldn't be in the room to begin with. Because if they're in the room and you have them close their eyes, you're communicating that what they're looking at is dirty and filthy and not good. And they grow up with that mentality, which affects teenagers a lot. Because if we're not talking about it, listen, there's two things that happen when we don't talk about it. Number one, we allow other people to define it. If we don't talk about it, other people define it. And so parents, let me help you out right now. You want to get there first. Because whoever gets there first is telling the truth. Whoever gets there second is covering up for the person who got there first. Parents, you need to have that conversation with your kids earlier than you think you have to have it. And I want to help you have that conversation with them by sharing a resource with you. This book is called The Talk. It's uh, seven lessons to introduce your child to biblical sexuality. There's a QR code in the back. If you're a parent, you can buy it on Amazon. We make no money off of this. And if you've got a young child uh, between the ages of 7 and 11 and, and they haven't had that conversation yet, this is an opportunity for you to have uh, that conversation. When I said seven, somebody said seven. Yeah. I had to talk with our son with this book. By the way, there's a lot of pictures in this book, so don't just be, just make sure you're ready. <laughs> I had to talk with our son when they were eight and nine. And someone says, well, that sounds too early. You're going to rob them of their innocence. Can I just tell you right now, I'd rather be too early than too late. I'd be too early than too late. You need to have that conversation now. Show them what God says about the topic so that they're free. You don't want fifth graders creating sexual theology for your children. Get there first. The second thing way that affects us is that if we don't talk about it, then we just cover it and we get ashamed about it. So if you're a teenage girl and you get pregnant, you can't tell nobody because we don't talk about that in our family. If, if you're a child and you get abused, you can't tell nobody because we don't talk about it in our family. If you're a teenager and you get aroused because you see someone and they look good, all of a sudden you start feeling guilty like you sinned because you got attracted to that person because nobody's talking about this. Let me just encourage y'all journey you. If y'all get attracted or aroused when you see somebody because they look good, you have not sinned. That just means everything is working. <laughs> Sin is not attraction. Sin is what you do after the attraction or because of the attraction. But the attraction is okay. And even adults, let me, let me zoom out now to the adults. Even we have a problem with this, adults. I grew up in the 80s and 90s purity culture of church where like sin was bad. 13-year-old girls had the covenant rings, the purity rings, you know. And it's like, y'all don't kiss, I don't hold hands. And that affected me. I had no idea. You know what I realized when that affected me? On my honeymoon night. Pastor Liz and I woke up in, in uh, Cancun, Mexico, honeymoon after the first night. And I swear to you, when I got up and I looked at her after our first night together, I looked at her and I said, I feel like I need to ask God for forgiveness. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. 
I mean, biblically, I have all the right in the world to be intimate. But in that moment, why? Because I had heard my whole life it was wrong. It was bad. It's not good. And I couldn't flip a switch and turn 20 years of teaching around in two nights. And so I thought it was dirty and I thought it was filthy and it was really awkward and weird. Now, thank the Lord, 15 years later, it's not that way anymore. <laughs> Praise the living God. We were intimate the other day. We looked at each other. We were like, yo, how is it possible that after 15 years, it's the best ever after 15 years? And I'm going to tell you what. Don't clap for your pastor. That's weird. Yeah, get it, pastor. Yeah. That's so strange. But I love you. Thank you. <laughs> I love my church so much. Uh, funny. Her dad's right there. Um, have some respect. Now, you know what it is? Can I tell you what it is? After 15 years, we stopped being ashamed about it. So now, guess what we've been doing the last two or three years? Like, hey, so what do you like? What do you like? This cool. And the shame off the topic is no longer there. So now we get to actually have conversation and talk about the things that we enjoy and don't enjoy. And that has taken it to the next level. And it's what it is. It's erasing shame from the conversation. And we got a day for they were naked and they felt no shame. This is good. Why is it good? Because sex is God designed. And anything that God designs is good. Matthew 19.4, very, very controversial passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 19.4, haven't you read, I shared this last week, Jesus replied that at the beginning, the creator made the male and female and said to them, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So there are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. This is a very, very, in 2023, very, very controversial part of scripture because it speaks to gender. It speaks to orientation. It speaks to sex within the confines of marriage. But before we can wrestle with any of those things, we have to wrestle with the first part. Haven't you read? We don't like that part because red means rules and Americans are rebels by nature. Our whole country started with a revolution. When somebody tells us not to do something, we want to do it even more. So we push back on rules. But let me help your relationship with the Bible. Stop looking at the Bible as a rule book and start looking at it as an owner's manual. You know in your glove compartment, there's a book. The glove compartment of your car, I know you haven't seen it lately or ever. But in that owner's manual, if you open it up to a particular page, it will give you something called the maintenance specifications. Say specifications. Yeah, not suggestions. It's not, it's not the maintenance suggestions. The owner isn't suggesting that you change your oil every three to 5,000 miles. It's like, change your oil, bro. If you want to make it to 100,000 miles, if you want to preventatively not break down, change it. And here's the problem when it comes to sex and when it comes to our car. You can't just feel these things out. You can't just be like, you know what? I don't think my car needs oil at 3,000. Why? It doesn't feel like it. I think my car can go 10,000. You know what? I don't think my car needs oil at all. If you were to open up an owner's manual in any car made in the last 20 years, you will find this one line, blows my mind. It says, do not drive in water. Yeah. No duh. Why would they include that? And I wanted to get on them until I remembered the last hurricane that hit Florida. Remember when that hurricane hit? And we had streets that looked like lakes. 
And we're pulling up to the street, the only street, the way to get home. We're pulling up to go to the grocery store, supermarket, get out of our neighborhoods, and this little mini lake right there. And we're in our little four-door Camry, looking at that lake. I feel like I can make it. I feel like I can get through. Listen, let me help you. You are not a boat. You are a car. Even if you feel like a boat. Feeling like a boat don't make you a boat. You would design the car. And if you want your car to run well, you will look to the person who designed the car and follow the instructions and follow the manual so you don't end up in places that end up hurting you. Like, God just wants to help you. He wants your sex life to be awesome, but you got to operate it the way he designed it. Can I give you some hard, cold facts? Married couples have more sex than single people. Fact. Yes. And I know that that you don't think that that's true, but it is true because TV wouldn't tell you that. TV would tell you something different, but it's true. And, and, And why? Because sex was designed that way by God. For married people to have sex. Now, if you're super skeptical, you could be like, well, they have more sex because they live together. <laughs> but if that was true, then how come this statistic is true? That couples that cohabitate, that's live together before marriage, actually have higher levels of divorce than those who don't. Can I tell you why? Because sex isn't designed that way. The University of Florida just released a study that said that the person who has, the people who have the best sex, that married couples have better sex than single people. The study showed that women who are married have 15% more orgasms than single women. I just said that word in church. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. How can that be true? I can, I'll tell you how that's true. Because God designed sex that way. Men today, there are more men today in the United States who suffer from erectile dysfunction than at any point in the history of men. Why? Why? Because you can't pleasure yourself five days a week and have any passion left over for your spouse. Why? Because sex isn't designed that way. When you do it the way God designs it, it's amazing. When you don't, it hurts you. This is where I'm coming from today. I'm challenging, I'm controversial, but I swear God and I are trying to help you have the best life that you can have. And I know there's still critics looking at, well, you're, all your metaphors are off, Pastor Jesus. You can't compare sex and relationships to a car or a boat. You're right. It's bigger than that. Yeah. A car can break your bones and scar your flesh. But, but sex in the wrong context can scar your soul and break your heart. Yeah. Yeah. It, here's why. Because sex is powerful. Yeah. Ooh, it's powerful. Matthew 19, 6 says, they are no longer two, but one. Two, but one. Did you know that when two people have sex, the body releases neural hormones, the body of the man and the woman, release neural hormones called oxytocin and vasopressin. These are hormones that are released when a mother breastfeeds her child to bond with the child. I might have said that too fast. I might have been too sciencey for some people. Let me just break it down. The hormones that the brain releases to get the mother to attach to the child and the father to attach to the child are the same hormones that are released when, when, when two people have sex together. Why? Because it's not just biological. It's mental. It's a, look, here's what the world wants you to believe. That sex is just physical. It's just physical. It's just like a high five. 
uh, no. I've high-fived a lot of people in my life, and none of them ended up pregnant, so no. It's not, this, it's not just touch. It's not just that. There's, there's another element to it. Don't believe that song in the 90s. If you grew up in the 90s, there's a song. I don't remember who sang it. I just remember how it went. It said, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. So let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. You remember that? I can never say that if this wasn't my church, by the way. It's just, if it's my church, I can say that. It's a real song. Yeah. Don't, it's not physical. It's not, that's what they want us to believe. That we're just animals. Just doing animal things. Look what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 through 17. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Boom. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in Scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. Look at that. There's a sex that can leave us more lonely than ever. You know, there's a reason why you never forget your first. You know why? Because when you have sex with somebody, you're connected. You bond with them. You're entangled. You're tied to that person, which is awesome if you end up marrying that person or if you're married to that person because then no matter what happens to that person, y'all ain't going nowhere. Y'all stuck together. Y'all good. But if that relationship ever ends, it might look like we're not together anymore. But now, if you were to zoom in, you would see that a little bit of them, even though you can't see it, is now stuck to you. Sometimes that little bit of them that gets stuck with you is called a child. <laughs> and a child ain't going nowhere. Sometimes that little thing that gets stuck to you is called an STI. But you don't got to worry about that. Why? Because you got condoms. So a condom will prevent you from getting pregnant and it'll prevent you from getting sick. But there's a couple things a condom can't keep from coming. And one of those things is a memory. You're not going to keep a memory out. Yeah, because when y'all did it, it was, it was sexy, and it was freaky. Y'all were in the back of a car, and it was awesome. There was people outside. We had tinted windows. It was crazy. And now you got that memory, and that memory is with you for the rest of your life. Now, every time, but you're not together anymore, and now every time you're ever in the backseat of a car, even if it's inappropriate, even if you're in the backseat of an Uber on your way to church, <laughs> it'll happen. God, I don't know you can change me. God, I don't know you can transform me. I'm excited. God, you're going to change my life today. You get in the back there and you go, dang it, and you remember who you were. And the enemy will use that memory to keep you bound to the person you were so that you can't become the person that God calls you to be. Or in the back of your limo on the way to your wedding to marry someone else. I remember the last time I was in the back of a limo. Now you can't even enjoy the day because the memory, well, what's so bad about memories? Memories are awesome. What if the memory's not good? Now you're not just carrying memories. Now you're carrying trauma. And that's assuming that the sex was consensual. What if you were abused? Now that trauma's with you. Now your trauma turns into behavior. Now because I don't like what happened in that last relationship, now I'm going to start behaving differently around other people. So don't touch me because when you touch me, it reminds me of what that person did. You're in a relationship and your partner's phone vibrates and all of a sudden you get PTSD. Why? Because in the last relationship, that's how it ended. He was sleeping with somebody else. And so now you have to wrestle with jealousy. You have the behavior of jealousy because of the consequences of sex outside of marriage. And then, of course, behavior turns into expectation. All guys just want one thing. All girls are going to leave you at a certain point. And you can't enjoy today because you're expecting tomorrow to be what happened yesterday. And it's all stuck. You know what the other thing that happens? The more different sexual partners you have. Yeah. 
wish you could feel that. It's not sticky no more. Because the more partners you have, the less sticky you become. That's, that's like science. They measured the level of oxytocin and vasopressin in people who had multiple sexual partners before marriage and the body actually produced less of those neurohormones than someone who didn't. Matter of fact, they did a study on divorce rates. Now, this is no shame. I can feel shame coming room. Don't feel shame no matter where you are or what your past was. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But, but they did a study and couples who got married and they had less than two sexual partners before they got married had a 5% uh, chance of getting divorced um, within five years, 5%. The moment that number jumped to four or five, the divorce rate jumped to 25%. Yeah. So, so no shame. We talked about that already. I'm just sharing this because I'm trying to help single people that are either not dating or dating yet. Sex before marriage is not going to help you be happy or your relationship get stronger. So let me help you. So before marriage, set boundaries. Set boundaries. That's my point. Sex before marriage, listen, before marriage, set boundaries. I feel like I'm a youth pastor now. I'm going back to my youth pastor days because I can hear the questions already. Well, how far is too far? What, I mean, what's technically sex? What's technically not sex? And I'm like, that's the wrong question. You know, they passed a law in New York City recently that said you can't have a dog on the subway unless it fits in a bag. And then somebody thought, well, what does a bag mean? And, and how big does this dog have to be? Now, the rest of us normal people know what a bag means. But when you don't want to follow a rule, you come up with ideas like this. Go ahead, put the video on the screen. Look at this person right here. This is not a bag. And he is arguing with the conductor. The conductor is like, you cannot get on this train, sir. He's like, but it's a bag. And the conductor like, it's not a bag. And he's like, well, technically, technically it's a bag. And the conductor's like, nah, bro, peace out. Look at that. That's not a bag. Well, technically it's a bag. That's not what they meant. Next one. That's not a bag. Oh, they fit in that bag. That's not what they were talking about. Show the last one for all my IKEA fans. That's not a bag. It's not a bag. You said bag. I got a bag. It's a bag. No, that's not what they meant. Can I give you some background? The reason why they passed that law was because New York subways are notoriously. So dogs kept biting people. And people accidentally kept stepping on dogs. The rule was there to protect others and to protect you. When you think of it that way, you no longer talk about how close, how far. You're like, I just don't want to be hurt. And I don't want anybody else to be hurt. So I'm going to go way back here. And I'm going to try and get closer than ever. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. That means don't fight it. You know why you keep, you know why you keep losing the fight? with sexual immorality because you keep trying to fight it. God said, <laughs> he said, he said, he said, get away from it. He said, flee, what's up camera? He said, flee from it. That's what a boundary is. I'm not even gonna try to get close. Let me put some actual boundaries in your life that maybe can help you out. Number one, here's a good boundary for you. Now I'm not trying to impose my boundaries on you. I'm just saying these things might help. Number one, maybe, just maybe, we're not gonna cuddle under the blanket alone at home while watching romantic movies while drinking wine. Is it sin? No. Is it smart? No. Probably not. We're not going to talk past 2 a.m. because convos tend to get spicy past 2 a.m. I'm going to keep it pure. I won't be real far from that, so now I'm going to do it. 
Well, pastor, we have a problem. We live together and we're not married. I know that's a lot of people in the room today. No judgment, no condemnation. I'm going to help you. I'm just going to ask a question. Do you have to live together? Do you have to? And you might say, yeah, if not, one of us is going to be homeless. Okay. Operating under that assumption, do you have to sleep in the same room as each other? Can we set up an air mattress somewhere in the kitchen or the living room? No, pastor. We, we, we can't. No, you know, you know what, pastor? Don't even worry about it. Because this guy, we love Jesus. And we actually have the ability to sleep in the same bed <laughs> under the same blanket and not, and not touch each other sexually in any way. And assuming that I believe you, <laughs> hey, if that's true, <laughs> I got other questions. <laughs> like, do we need to talk about something else then? <laughs> that you can't be, if she's attractive, if he's attractive, if y'all two beautiful people in the same, if everything's working right, something should be happening there. Which is why we try and get as far away from it as possible. We got to set boundaries, y'all, because you got to protect your heart. Look at this phone. You see this phone? I love this phone. What's this on, on my phone right here? Yeah. Have you ever seen somebody with the audacity <laughs> to walk around just willy-nilly with their phone like that? Raise your hand if you ain't got a case on your phone. What's your problem? What's wrong with you? Are you made of money? No. I don't, I don't understand people like that. I'm like, so in your whole life, you never one time dropped your phone ever? You're amazing. The rest of us, we know that we're not perfect. We know we're going to make mistakes. So we created a boundary for, what we, for our humanity so that when we fall, there's no consequences because I'm far away from falling. And some of us are taking better care of our phone than our hearts. Set a boundary. Keep it far away. Don't even, don't even mess with it. Stay holy, stay pure, stay clean. They're going to think I'm weird with all these rules. Yeah, I hope they do. Proverbs 4.23, so what? Look what it says. Above all else, guard your heart. I don't care what they think about me. What if I've already made that mistake, Pastor JJ? What if I've already fallen? What if I've already have a sexual history? Let me encourage you really quickly. Sex before marriage is not good, but it's also not the end. Now, I didn't get a lot of amens there. I didn't expect to because I think some people in the room are thinking, Pastor, you shouldn't say that. Because if you say that, you're giving people permission to wild out and you're giving them freedom to wild out. I'm not, listen, that's why they didn't come to church for 10 years. Because the last time they came here, somebody made them feel condemned for the choices that, I'm not giving them freedom to sin. I'm not giving them permission to wild out. I'm giving them permission to heal and freedom from their shame. I'm trying to tell you that no matter what you did before this moment, you can start a new life. God can restore you. God can make you whole again. Romans 7, 15. Paul wrote, I don't really understand myself. I keep doing what I don't want to do. I wish I could do better, but I keep making mistakes. I keep falling. But then in the next book, or a couple books later in Corinthians, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now, how is that? I, I do a bad thing, but I'm a new creation because Paul understood the difference between do and who. 
What I do doesn't, doesn't always mean who I am. I might not be perfect. I might make some mistakes, but who I am in Jesus Christ is saved, redeemed, forgiven. I can start a brand new life. I want to encourage you today. Listen, the devil wants your do to be your who. But it's because if it's just something that you do, then you can change. But if he gets you to believe that it's actually your who, then you have permission to stay the same. Because it's your identity. I wrote it like this. You can write this down. Listen, I don't know when the worst decision of your life was made. But I do know that today you can make the best decision of your life. You can leave that life behind. You can step into purity. My wife and I, we, we did not have sex when, when we got married. When we got married, we, we had sex when we got married. But before, we together didn't do it. She has some really good boundaries. I'm, I give her all the glory for that. I honor her. Holy Spirit and her. I tried to touch her one time inappropriately, I'm ashamed to say. And she smacked me so hard. I never made another move. She said, bye, that's for marriage. I said, okay. I'm really grateful, but, but we were not virgins when we got married. We had had sex with other people. And I want to tell you on our, on our wedding, I just want to encourage you, if you're not married and if you're single before I talk to married people, God, I th- we really both felt like God had restored like our emotional virginity our spiritual virginity, and he can do that for you if that's you. I just want to encourage you that God can create a new creation in you. I really believe that. Married people, where are you at, married people? All right, let me talk to married people real quick. <laughs> Sex after marriage. Sex after marriage, here's my first point, is amazing. <laughs> married people, I was expecting more out of you in that moment. So yeah, marriage is amazing, man. It is. So, here, so here's my next point. So after marriage, have sex. Do it. Stop stopping it. <laughs> Do it. And, and, and single people, they don't understand the point right now. Because <laughs> single people are like, I don't understand. Don't you have sex all the time, every day, all day? I don't get it. And I just want to let you know, listen, me, this past Monday, me, me, this past Monday, I came home from work and my wife wanted to be intimate with me and I told her I'm too tired. <laughs> me. To be fair, I preached three times on Sunday, and then I was in meetings from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Monday. I came home. I was like, I know I look good, but I didn't say that, but I did say I was too tired, which blows my mind. I said this before, because if, if, if 14-year-old me in the prime of puberty could get into a time machine and visit 36-year-old me saying no to a fine woman like that, to have sex with a woman like that, 14-year-old me would karate chop 36-year-old me in the throat. Are you, are you silly? Are you crazy out of your mind? We've been waiting our whole life for this. Are you crazy? But what 14-year-old me don't know that 30-year-old us knows is life gets busy. It's tiring. We got a lot on our plate. We're doing a lot. They get exhausted. We got responsibilities. James is yawning right now in the front row. <laughs> I get it, bro. I'm not even judging you. I would yawn too if I wasn't preaching. <laughs> life is life. It's a lot going on, but we got to make this a priority. Yeah. We got to make this a priority in our lives. How often? How often is, is, is enough? That's what the married people want to know. I can't give you a number. Because if I give you a number, then some people are going to feel judged, some people are going to feel guilty, some people are going to be, and it's, honestly, it's whatever's good for the married couple that you both feel like you know, your desires are being melt. So you got to talk about that. Now, having said that, I'm going to give you a number. <laughs> and I'm also going to tell you that this number is not biblical, because it's not in the Bible. 
Bible, don't, don't go that into detail. But I do have a reason for giving you this number. I'm going to give you this number. It's a silly reason, a statistically silly reason, and a spiritual reason. A silly reason. Sex is both physical and spiritual. So the doctor says you should go to the gym at least three days a week. And, and the pastor says you should come to church at least once a week. So I think two, right in the middle, right there. <laughs> Twice a week. Here's my, here's my statistical silly reason. Uh, studies show that that average married couple has sex once a week. So, but who wants to be a C student? You know what I'm saying? We can, we can, we can do better. We can do better. That's my, that's my statistical silly reason. Here's my spiritual reason, because the Bible says that two becomes one. And I just think we should have sex often because if sex can make two people one, then it lends itself to reason that if we go long enough without having sex, over time, one can drift back into two. I think that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4 through 7, in marriage, neither the husband nor the wife should act as if his or her body is private property. Your bodies now belong to one another and together they are whole. So do not withhold sex from one another unless both of you have agreed to devote a certain period. Oh, thank you. That's why you're laughing. I'm like, I don't want to say childs in here. It's all about sex laughing. It's the tape. When the agreed time is over. So, so go back one verse. Back one verse, because they threw me off. So now with those said, oh yeah, unless both of you have agreed to devote a certain period of time to prayer. So he says, don't stop having sex unless y'all gonna like take time to pray. Pastors and I used to do that. When we do 21 days of prayer and fasting, we used to actually fast sex. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> when the agreed time is over, come together again so that Satan will not tempt you when you are short on self-control. Now, I need to speak to married couples right here because every, in every married couple, there's a person that has a high sex drive and a low sex drive. And the person with the high sex drive is not always the man. But it's usually someone high, someone low. Let me just speak to the person who has the high sex drive right now. Don't you go home and try and apply this Bible verse <laughs> to your partner talking about, well, you, you heard what the pastor said now. You got to... Just go ahead and just do what the Lord, we got to do the Lord's work. We got to do the Lord's work, is what he said. So I'm not trying to be, so I'm just trying to be a man of God, a woman of God. This is what, you heard the message. Just, just serve the Lord. No. Don't you do that. Listen to me. Don't you demand sex. Because the moment you demand sex, you're no longer in love, you're in lust. Which is a revelation because we were taught that the moment you put a ring on it, it's impossible to lust after your spouse. But lust has nothing to do with the wedding ring. Lust has to do with taking. Love gives. For God so loved, he gave. Lust takes. So anytime you do something sexually with your spouse that is taking, they're not comfortable, they don't want to do it, they're tired, and you force your taking, that's not love, that's lust. That's lust. People ask me all the time, is there anything that a married couple could do in the bed that would be considered sin? Yes, two things. Number one, inviting a third party. Never invite a third party. That would be sin. God made Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Eve and Trish. <laughs> Don't invite a third party digitally either. Two people, okay? And then, and then the other thing is having them do anything that they don't feel comfortable doing. Because at that moment, you're not giving them, you're using them. You're taking from them. You know what's crazy? And we'll, we'll close out here. The, the team can come up because I don't know we're running a little long. Surveys show and studies show that men, men, 80% of men, not all men, but 80% of men are aroused or turned on visually. Like we just need to see it. 
That's how men are wired. So wives, if you want to arouse your husband, it's really easy. Just put on something nice or nothing at all. <laughs> Either one will work. This is how 80% of men are wired. Women are wired differently. According 80% of women, 80%, not all, but 80% of women are aroused, not visually, but emotionally. 80% of women. So that means, husbands, if you want to arouse your wife, it's not about what color underwear you got on. It's about, did you throw out the trash? Did you do the dishes? Have you asked her how she's doing lately? Have you had made eye contact? Have you, have you had non-sexual touch? Have you had honest conversations with her? Now, here's what blows my mind. Why would God create sex and then create two people to do it who are wired so differently? Why not just make women also turned on visually? That would make sex so much easier. Husbands would just go home and be like, what's going on? You know, just, and then bam, we're in. But God didn't make it that way. This is a mind blow. God's supposed to blow your mind. He made it in a way where it's different so that in order to have it at its fullest, you can't come into it getting what you want. Because sex is not a picture of what reproduction should be. Sex is a picture of what love should be. And love is not two people taking. That's a terrible marriage. Love isn't one person taking and one person giving. That's an abusive marriage. Love is two people giving themselves to each other. That's a beautiful marriage. When two people approach it, giving. Which is why I tell people, after marriage, learn how to make love. You got to make it. And I don't mean what you think I mean. I mean, sometimes there's no feeling. And when there's no feeling for love, you're going to have to make love. Cook it up. I did this the other day with, with Pastor Liz. She, um, she had a sister who had a birthday. And I was real tired from being out in ministry. <laughs> tired is a, a theme, it seems, <laughs> of my life. And, uh, and I told her, I said, hey, can I not go to that dinner? And she was kind enough to say yes, but I could tell on the inside she was a little let down because family is like her number one thing in life. So I was like, how can I show her that I love her? Because I love her. I just can't be out right now at a party because that would drain me so much. So, so I, I started leaning all the things in the house that needed to get fixed. And, and I sent her a text. So this picture, I asked permission to show this text, by the way. So this is from my wise, funny, loving, beautiful wife. <laughs> FYI, I didn't write that. She took my phone and she typed that in herself. <laughs> she used to be under my phone as my baby. So anytime I would call, I'd just say, call my baby. Then she put in this long thing. Now I can never call her through Siri. I'm always like, call my funny, laughing, wise. The Siri's always like, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm like, dang it. I gotta type in the number like an animal. I said, sorry, I couldn't show you love by being there with you and your sister. But I replaced the light bulb in the hallway, repaired the fridge handle, and fixed the sliding door. Figured I would make love to you how I can. So what I'm trying to tell you, husbands, is I didn't do it. I didn't do it so she could do something for me. I, I did it to show her that I love her. It's so funny because the person with the high sex drive, or let's just say the man in this scenario, will use the verse and say, it says your body's not your own, so you got to give me your body. That's funny because the wife could be like, well, if the body's not your own, then change the bulb. <laughs> if, if the body's not own, then mow the lawn. It's about, like, it's about giving of yourself to love another person with no expectation. I didn't do that so I could have sex. I did it so I could make love. 
And as she rolled back, she said, I love you. And that night she showed me. Which is how I receive love. But it's very important to know, women, when you dress up nice for your man, you're not doing that so that he can love you. You're doing that to love him. Husbands, when you sit down and listen, you're not in the back of your mind thinking, how long does this conversation last before she feels fulfilled so that I can get what I want? No, 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 no. No, no matter what happens, you're there not so that you can get love, but so you can give love. And when two people enter a relationship giving, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. We're not close here. This is why before and after marriage, you need to be filled. Because you cannot give to another person what you do not have. And, it's, and what, what frustrates marriages is one person trying to love another person when they have no reservoir of love within them themselves. They're given out of emptiness and barrenness. And God is saying, let me fill your heart with love. Let me fill your heart with my spirit. Single people trying to get filled by this person or that person. God says, let me fill your heart with love so that you can be an instrument of love in the world. 1 Corinthians six thirteen. you say food for the stomach and stomach for food and God will destroy them both. That saying, food for the stomach and stomach for food, that was a way of saying, hey, every guy has needs, every girl has needs, so the same way food exists for that, sex exists for this, so don't blame me, I'm just doing what I was created to do. It's just a need of mine. And God was like, oh, okay. God's like, Paul's like, I like that saying, let me finish it. Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. Because the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Next one, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Who is what? Can, can we go back to Genesis? We're going to have to jump three places in time. Two places in time. Genesis, ready? God makes Adam. He takes Eve out of Adam, makes woman. Then God creates marriage, sex. Man goes into Eve. And now a new person goes formed. Intimacy, marriage, unity. When one comes into the other. Now let's fast forward to Acts chapter 2. Day of Pentecost. Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes into the room. God's presence comes into the room. There's a wind like a, like a, 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 there's a, a His presence comes like a blowing wind. A fire rests on their heads. And the Bible says that from that moment on right there, the Holy Spirit comes. Are you seeing it? When you put it together, the whole story of sex is really about intimacy unity and completeness and God coming at the end of that story is his way of telling you and I'm the one who completes you I can feel you like no like no sexual encounter can I can feel you like no spouse can like no individual can let me feel you and then he says and because because I bought you with price I love that. That's a reference to the story of Hosea and Gomer. Have you heard it? I don't have enough time to get into it. We're already over. But Gomer was a sex worker. Hosea was a pastor. God tells the pastor to go buy the sex worker and make her his wife and set her free. He does it. A couple years later, she goes back to sex working. God tells Hosea, buy her again and make her yours again. He says, this is a picture of the way I will always pursue my church. I will always pursue my children who are far away from me. I will always buy them and I will always buy them back. I bought them back with Jesus because I want to remind them, this is the last thing, and then we'll pray, that they, are, that they are not who they used to be. You're not that woman who got taken advantage of anymore. You're not that guy who got used or who got touched or who got, no, no. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Would you stand on your feet all over this building? I want to pray for you. First people I want to pray for are single and married people. 
If you're single and married in this room today, and uh, listen, you're looking for something to fill you up. You're looking for something to complete you. You're looking, and you're looking to your spouse, and you're looking to men, you're looking to women. God says, you can't just live your sexuality on feeling anymore. I bought you. You are mine. Be mine and let me be the one to fill every crook and nanny of your heart. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I pray right now for single people. Give them wisdom in dating. Help them to find the boundaries that are appropriate for their relationships. But also, Lord, show them that they don't need a person. That we can be filled by your presence today and forever. We love you, Jesus. Married people, God, I pray that you would begin to fill the dry reservoirs of their heart, Lord. The reason why they're having trouble loving their partner is because love, they're in a deficit. They're in a love deficit in their heart right now. God, I pray that you would overflow that love deficit, that they'd be able to leave today with a full heart so that they have something to give that partner. Do it now, Jesus. Do it now. Do it now. Finally, I want to pray for those who don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. You're far from God. You're new to church, or maybe you've been coming just recently. And today, something inside of you is triggered in the best way ever. And there's healing for you from sexual trauma, abuse. There's restoration for you. There's a new creation coming inside of you. I want to pray that you come back home to Jesus, making the Lord the Savior of your life. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, on the count of three, if you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you want to come back home, I want to ask you to raise your right hand. I want to pray for you that Jesus would do something powerful in your life. All over this room on three. One, two, one, two, three. Raise your right hand high if you want Jesus in your heart right now. I see you in the back. I see you in the back. I see you in the front. I love it. Teenagers' hands going up. Adults' hands going up. Single people's hands going up. Married people's hands going up. Now's the time to be a new creation. I'm new. I'm new. I'm making a difference. I'm making a change. I forgive that person. I'm moving forward. My relationship's not going to be the same. I'm not going to be the same. My life's not going to be the same. My future's not going to be the same. Amen. If you raise your hand, you can put it down. But I want everyone to pray this prayer, including those who raise their hand. Everybody say out loud, Father God, I'm not ashamed anymore. I'm coming to you naked, emotionally vulnerable, and unafraid. Have your way in my heart. Forgive me for that past. But even more importantly, heal me from that past. I want to be a new creation in your name, Jesus. Today, you become my Lord and my Savior. And I follow you every day of my life. Thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. And then put it together for those people. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.